Okay, so we're continuing through 1 Peter, and we are in chapter 3 today. So if you want to arm yourselves with your Bible app or your Bible and turn there and follow along with us, it's probably easier to see that way. So we are in 1 Peter chapter 3, and just to give a member a little bit of context, who wrote this? Peter, the one that we are thinking of when we think of Peter, the guy who was fully passionate for Jesus one moment and then rejecting him the next, and this guy who was just you know, Jesus, tell me to walk out on the water. That's the guy we're talking about. And the Lord has used him to write this particular book, First Peter. And we are in a scenario where, as we've been talking the last couple of weeks, where the church was facing some severe persecution because under the hands of Nero, of course, Nero set Rome to fire, set Rome of fire, and all of the, and blamed the Christians for that. And a lot of persecution has taken place. They're scattered through through uh, this Mediterranean area that we saw on the map there a moment ago. And it's just a difficult time. We're dealing with Christians that are facing difficult trials. And how is it that you face these trials? And what is Jesus calling us to do in the midst of it? How do we do that as believers? How do we face the difficult times? And so we've been looking at that. And so 1 Peter chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 2, just at the very end of it to give context again. It's talking about Jesus, and it says, For he committed no sin, and neither was deceit found in his mouth. This won't be on the screen, okay? When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He continued in the middle of all trials to entrust himself to God. And we talked last week, we ended with that aspect of continually entrusting our lives to him, the one who is really in control of it all. It says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. We're talking about the cross, right? That we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Been wandering, we've been straying, but now you have returned to the Lord. The one who's really in charge, the shepherd. We always have to remember who's in control. We always have to remember who's in charge, who has it, and that's Jesus. So as we continue, let's look at First Peter chapter 3. It's one of the shorter chapters in here and see what the Lord has to say to us in chapter 3. So it says in chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Likewise, talking about Jesus as our shepherd, it says, Likewise, wives be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and, and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be with external, the braiding of hair, the weaving of the wearing of gold, or the putting on of clothing, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. So, so to begin with, one of the, the coolest things we start out here when we talk about the, and we're going to see what he has to say to the men in a moment, the relationship between a husband and wife, in particular how they're, 
how they're getting along with each other. And it says, interestingly, it says to be, to be subject to your own husband so that even if, you do not, even if some do not obey the word, talking about what God has to say, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. So we're talking about a situation where, in, and there's many situations like that that we have probably encountered where someone in the family is following the Lord, the wife and, and perhaps, and the husband not, not, not following him or not living the way God's called them to. Let, it, let the wives live in such a way that honors God that it catches their husband's attention, that they see the amazing love, they see the passion that this, their wife has for Christ that's so strong that it is an attractive thing that draws their husband to the Lord. It's pretty, pretty amazing. And it's interesting because what we see earlier in 1 Peter is the aspect of living such lives as Christians in general, that the general public, even though they have horrible things and nasty things they want to say about the believers, that they would look at their lives and say they live such amazing lives, such loving lives, such honorable lives, that they can't say a single thing against them. To live that way as believers, to be that strong, that even though, as Nero has blamed the Christians in society, who wants to jump on the believers at this point, that they are living such an amazing life for Christ, an honorable life, that they can't look at them and find anything to point out. And so that he goes to the, to the level of the relationship at home and says that in the same way, and I believe this would go back and forth too, husband and for a wife, that, that if one is the stronger in the situation, that they truly honor Christ and live such an honorable life, that the other spouse sees that, is attracted to that, and is, is, is drawn to the Lord by simply having a spouse, someone in their life that is that is living such a respectful and, and pure life that it literally draws that person to Christ. That's pretty amazing, and it's going to say something specifically to husbands later. We'll get to that. But then it says, it's talking about the adorning of the external. We had a, I've got a blog that I haven't, or a, a podcast I haven't picked up on in a, in a few weeks, but we had talked in, in one of those podcasts about what people wear to church. I don't know if you all remember, remember that, and it just got this, this huge firestorm of, well, you should be wearing this to church, and God expects you to wear your best, this, that, and the other, and, and what does the Bible actually have to say about what we should be wearing to church? And so that we went back and forth, and, and I remember pointing to, to this scripture in particular, where it's not talking specifically about the clothes that you wear, it's talking about in the heart. In verse 3, it says, don't let your adorning be external. The stuff, right, that's on the outside. Don't let it be the external stuff. What's funny is, is I can try to be cool. I can put on the external stuff. I can put on sunglasses, but no one is, is faked by that at all. They know I'm really a goober. That's just what it is. The outside doesn't change anything, does it? It says, don't let it be on the outside. The adorning of be external, the braiding of hair, the wearing of gold, or the putting on of clothing. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. And it says this is how the, the women of old used to do it. They would, they would dress up the inside. In other words, that the heart was something that was beautiful, that it was the inside. It was the heart of, of, a, of a woman that loved God, that that was the most attractive thing. That was the thing of beauty. It wasn't about the hair. It wasn't, a, wasn't about the, the makeup and the clothing and all those things. It was about the inside. 
being the way that women would make themselves attractive. And that really goes for all of us. The true attraction, the true, the true person, that who we are, needs to be from the inside out and not from the outside in. It says, likewise, in verse 7, Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. And then it says something very, very striking. So that your prayers may not be hindered. Husbands, honor your wives, love your wives, treat them with respect so that your prayers may not be hindered. And I don't, there's not a lot of commentaries that expand on that and give us every answer that we would like, what does that mean? What's he talking about? Okay. All I can say is, is this, that, that, as, that as a husband, that there is nothing that I ever want to do to disrespect, to dishonor my wife, that my prayers won't be hindered. It's this aspect that things, you know, the Lord says, and other times we read in the New Testament, he says, don't go to the altar and present something to me when there's something between you and your brother, you know? It's like having that fight in the parking lot, you know, on the way to church, and then coming in and putting on the, the smiley face, you know? And then you participate in worship like everything's just hunky-dory. It's like you can't be close to me when you have issues with, with everybody else, when, you, when the way that you treat those around you so, so in such a crummy way and then you want to come in and just worship me and love me and not love people, it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. And so there's this hindering that takes place, I think even more than just in prayers and just in general between us and the Lord when our relationship with people stinks and then we just pretend like we love the Lord. If you love the Lord, the way that you treat people follows suit, doesn't it? Because it all comes from the heart. That's really kind of probably a good measure to look at. How does this, you know, want to see if someone's a genuine believer, how do they treat people? That's kind of a scary thing to say, but, you know, how do they treat other people? It comes out, doesn't it? And so, husbands, love your wives. Um, uh, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they're heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. That's pretty incredible. And it says this, Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. Now I want to remind you of the context again. We've been talking about this the last few weeks, that the Christians in this particular time were facing ridiculous persecution. And I keep going to this example because it's the most blatant to me, where, where Nero had literally taken Christians, strung them to, to a pole, and lit them on fire just to bring light to his gardens. Hey, let's, let's just light this guy on fire so that we have light in the backyard and we can enjoy a cocktail together. That's just ludicrous. They were animal skins put on them and marched in front of other dogs that, that just, I mean, just crazy different things that were happening to Christians. And so when you see this going on around you, when you see other believers hurting in this way, how do you, how do you take what Peter has to say here seriously? Do you see what's going on, Peter? Finally, all of you have unity 
sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, right? A humble mind, okay, we can, we can get on board with that. But do not repay evil for evil or for reviling for reviling. How do you not repay evil for evil? How do you not want to get even, right? That seems like in America kind of our, our number one thing. We have the right to get even. Someone hurt me, I hurt you back. That's how it works. You cut me off in traffic, I cut you off in traffic. That's how things go. That's the, the economy of, of society, if you will. You hurt me. And, but Peter, the, the, the guy that's writing this, literally, as we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, he's the one that saw his wife crucified in front of him and who himself was crucified for following Jesus. And he shares these words. The love, this always, we always come back to this because it's everywhere in Scripture. The love, the kind of life that God has called us to live is so upside down compared to the rest of society. You are to love no matter what. It's held to such a high and impossible standard, it seems. So we need the, the spirit, the strength of the Lord to be able to live this out. Don't repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. But on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called. You were called to bless. You were called. It's a calling. It's a job, right? It's a purpose. You were called to bless. You ever thought about your calling? That's what you're called to do. And then it goes on and says, that you may obtain a blessing. Now, this is great. The name of our church is what? Anybody know? This is an easy answer. Come on. What? Two of you. Come on, people. What? It's not a trap. Real life, okay? Implying what? Think through it. Okay, or don't think at all. What? What's that? Say that again, Davey. It's the... It's self-explanatory, okay? Well, here's, <laughs> here's the point I'm trying to get at, okay? We, just as people, want to have a great life, don't we? We want to have a real life. We want to have a, a life that's joyful, that's, that's full of hope. No one would disagree with that, you know, unless you're just... I don't know. I don't know what's the deal. I'm thinking of like a Parks and Rec episode with what's-her-name who hates life or she claims she does. But people want to have a good life, don't they? They want to be happy. They want to be joyful. They want real life. And I, th I think this, the reason I mention that is this passage is pretty fascinating in chapter 3. It says that for, in the verses, verse 10, for whoever desires to love life and see good days... Okay, is that your desire to begin with? Whoever, hey, anyone want to love life and see good days? Yeah, pick me, okay? We all want that. And it says this, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. And let him turn away from evil and do good. And it says, and let him seek peace and pursue it. It's going to carry on in a moment. We're going to pause there for a second. You want to have a good life. You want to have a joyful life. You want to have a real life. Do these things. 
Keep your tongue from evil. Tongue gets us into all kinds of trouble, doesn't it? Something, the things that we say continually. So keep your tongue from evil. Keep your lips from speaking deceit. It's another way it gets us in trouble. From evil kind of covers it all, really, but let's be specific. No lying, no deceit. And then it says this, which is really, really fascinating. Let him turn away from evil and do good and let him seek peace and pursue it. Seek peace and pursue it. In your life, are you one of those people that can keep your tongue away from trouble and really pursues peace, goes after peace, that, that you lift that up above so many other things? If you think about that and break that down in your life, where are those moments that it would have been better for you to have pursued peace? Because remember, earlier on it says we were called to bless. We're called to be a blessing. You know, these are the things, this is why we need our minds to be retrained in some ways, to think through this kind of stuff. Because what, what people think the church is for is for pointing out things. This is the way you're not living, and this is the stuff you should be doing, and this is you know, this big checklist of things. I'm not saying there aren't standards that we should live by, but it says we're called to bless. And it says we're called to, to watch our mouth, and we're called to pursue peace. Have there been any situations in your life over the past week where maybe it would have been better for you to have pursued peace? And someone, some of us maybe are thinking of a moment Okay, where we decided to, to go to the mats, as they say, rather than to pursue peace. We'd rather fight about something than pursue peace. If you want to love life, it says, and see good days, keep your tongue from evil, keep your lips from speaking deceit, turn away from evil and do good, and seek peace not just seek it, pursue it. Because it says this, for the eyes, excuse me, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. I think that's interesting because what the believers are facing in this particular time, would have, if anyone felt justified, to lay peace aside and to start fighting. It would have been right then, wouldn't it? How do you pursue peace in that kind of chaos? That's our calling. Our calling is to bless. Our calling is to pursue peace. And, man, that's, that's difficult, especially in this scenario. And if it's difficult in this scenario, if Peter is calling, God is calling us to do this based on this, what is he calling us to do in the smaller things that we're facing right now? Now it says in verse 13, to sum some of this up, now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? Who's there to harm you if you, if you just are zealous to do good? If you're that person who's known for peace, you're that person who's known for for keeping your lips out of trouble, you know, you control your tongue, you're a peaceful person. If you're known for that, who is, who is out to get you, okay? 
if, if who's there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good. But then it goes on, but even if you should suffer in the middle of all of that, right? If you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Who's the one that's blessing you? It's Jesus. Even in the midst of all of that, if you should suffer for doing good, for doing peace, if you were harmed for doing the right thing, there is still a blessing, and that blessing comes from the Lord. And what's fascinating about this, this isn't like, oh, yeah, well, great, great advice, thanks a lot. This is coming from someone. This is coming from the Lord himself, Jesus, who did what? Did he do anything wrong? Did he pursue peace? Did he keep his lips out of trouble? Did he say things that, you know, what did he do? We look at the very model example of Jesus, and they took him and they nailed him to a cross. And we want to we want to look at our situations and say, well, I was just doing the right thing. This is unfair. I was, you know, and look at what happened. Peter could say to my wife, this, that, and the other. Jesus says, look, I was the, a very prime example of this very very thing. I was called to bless. I was called to love. In fact, Jesus was called to come and to die in our place. So even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, it says in verse 14, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, regard Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Now don't take this, this peace lightly this hope lightly we do all kinds of things in our life so that we have peace you know we the financial peace university it's funny peace is right in the name right we're trying to to get out of debt so that we have peace we don't have those debts we want to have life insurance right what's the peace of life insurance well when i die from falling out of a tree like i almost did yesterday diane's going to be taken care of all right? Okay, so there's a story there. This is why I do stupid things, so I have stories to tell at church. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Oh, that's what it's for. So yesterday, yesterday we've, we've got all kinds of trees in our yard that kind of hug our house practically. But branches are going crazy, going out of control. And so I bought a chainsaw a couple of months ago, and finally the time came, it's time to use it. Big extension ladder outside shoving up shoving it up into trees to cut down branches and I've done it enough in the past to know that there's trouble I've seen enough YouTube videos even to know the kind of trouble that can happen and so my piece was you know what I'm going to tie off the top of this ladder to this tree with a strong rope so no matter what I will be okay that rope was my piece and the problem in the middle of this, though, still, is that the bottom is not tied, okay? And so cut off this big, fat branch, falls down and swings against the ladder, okay? And it was okay for the most part. I would have been, been fine. It was ajar, if you will, but Diane decided to move the tree, pull it out of the way, and then it snapped back, and then the ladder went like this. <laughs> Would have been good. Would have been good on video. But 
Anyway, that rope was my piece. I was hanging on for dear life, knowing that I was going to be okay, dangling from there because I was tied off to that tree. We do all kinds of things, you know, besides that silly story for peace, the life insurance of this, the that, to have this temporary peace. The lasting peace only comes from one place. It only comes from Christ. And it's funny, we know this intellectually. It's not like I'm, I'm sharing and preaching some re- revelation. They're like, oh, wow, you know, that's just deep. But we forget. We think we know it. And then we live another way. We don't pursue peace. We don't do the things to live in peace. So it says, have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts regard Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. It's an interesting passage of scripture where where people literally see that peace and that hope in their life and they come up and ask you, why do you have it? Why is this in your life? Why are you different than everyone else? This is the opportunity that you have to say, it's because of Jesus. It's because of the Lord in my life. It says, always be prepared to make a defense. Also, it says, to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Now, this is, it goes deeper than this. And this passage is, passage is used a lot when it talks about kind of defending the faith. I hesitate saying it that way because it doesn't need defense, if you ask me, but it does need explanation to say, this is why I follow the Lord. This is what he's done. And oftentimes we're not prepared to talk about the peace that we have because of Christ. We don't, we're not good at talking with people. But Peter says, look, always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it this way, okay, with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. Again, it's, it's, it's sharing what Christ has done with gentleness and respect, with love. The way that we share what Christ has done, the peace that we have, always needs to come out of that, that gentle spirit we were talking about earlier. That's the kind of life he's called us to. For Christ also suffered once for sins, verse 18, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through the water. It's a lot of deep theological stuff we don't have time to dig into in this passage, but that said, do some digging for yourself. Baptism, it says, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as the removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. It's interesting how that passage ends showing the very power of God. 
you want to live a life, a real life, enjoy peace, enjoy all those things we're talking about. It always is just a continual reminder. It always comes to Christ. It always is because of Him. Peace only comes from Him. Joy only comes from Him. Real life only comes from Him. If anything, let this passage be a reminder this morning where we think that we can find peace in other ways, we think we can find joy and life in other ways, it's still only going to come back to Christ. That is the only place we find real life, the only place we find real joy. Having Christ in your life then, you want to have good days. Walk out of here today with this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to control this. I'm going to control what I say this week. And I'm going to be a pursuer, not just this casual observer, okay? I'm going to be a pursuer of peace. That means action goes into the things that we say and do that will accomplish peace. Are you a peacemaker? Good life, good days, watch this, pursue peace. Because we were called to do what? Anybody remember? Called to bless. Thanks, Chris. Called to bless. Would you stand with me? Lord, we, we're grateful for your word. Lord, thank you for this passage of scripture. Lord, I, I don't think we can comprehend what it must have been like for the Christians during this time to to face what they did and to hear these words in, in that situation. Lord, I pray that, that you would help us to, to be those that, that honor you in every way and that understand that true life is found in you. And Lord, help us, help us to be careful of the things we say. Help us to be those that are pursuers of peace. Lord, when we watch what we say and we pursue peace with the troubles, with the things we, we would rather fight about or get involved in, Lord, we give those things to you and ask, Lord, for you to take care of them. Lord, if we just simply trust in you, Lord, you, we know you'll give us good days in the midst of of all the stuff that surrounds us. Lord, thank you so much for the love and the grace you continue to show us. Thank you so much, Lord, that because of you, that we're never alone. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen.